Our text for this morning's message will be Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. A familiar passage to us. I want to look there and pull some principles out of it this morning. Acts chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 41 and read down through verse 47. Acts 2, 41 through 47. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, Then they that gladly received His word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about three thousand souls. And they they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Let's bow our heads in prayer if you would. Father, come before you and we are thankful for your grace and for your mercy. I ask now that you would help us to be attentive to your word as we stand before this new year, Lord, and we've we've got things maybe that we want to change in our own lives in ways that we want to be better. I pray now that you would bring these principles to the forefront of our minds and that they might be first priority. And that you would remove the distractions that would keep your word and that you would break down the walls that would keep your word out of our hearts. Whatever it is in our own hearts, Lord, I pray that you would do that work now as we we listen to your spirit speak to us through your word. I pray that you'd give me a strength just to say what is needed. Ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so we're five days into the new year. How many of you made resolutions? Nobody? You're all content to exist in monotony and bland existence? (laughs) No care to change anything in in your lives? Many did. Many have made resolutions. And I'm curious of how many have kept them. People wanted to do all these things different, make these changes. How many have kept them and how many have already broken them within five days? We're familiar with this concept, right? It comes around every New Year's that that it's the time to to make these resolutions and we want to have a fresh start and we want to be better. and It covers many areas in, in life. I think by far, number one is health. Like, this is the year I'm going to work out. This is the year I'm going to eat salads and lose weight and do whatever it is that I want to do to be healthier, to have a a better body or more energy or whatever it is. By far, number one is health. People want to take care of their health. I think a close second is financial, either financial gain or financial wisdom. Like, I spent way too much money last year on, on foolish stuff. This year I'm going to be better. We're going to have a budget. We're going to stick to the budget and... Blah, 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 that's how it goes, right? Maybe you have those own desires in your own heart or, or you've tried those things in the past. Some resolve that this is the year I'm going to buy something big. Like this is going to be the year I'm going to get a house or I'm going to get a car or something big and I'm going to save up for it and discipline myself and something like that, right? Listen, all that stuff is fine and well. Go for it. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be healthier or take care of this body or be wise with our money or maybe save up and get one of those things we've always wanted. That's fine. But what enters my mind as a pastor is I'm curious to how many actually gave thought to God at this time. How many made resolutions, as it were, for godly things? Like this is the year I'm going to be closer to Him. This is the year I'm not going to feel this separation anymore. No, I'm getting closer to God this year. This year is the year I'm going to commit to reading His Word. This is the year I'm going to pray for that one person. 
That one person I know doesn't know them, uh, doesn't know the Lord, and they need the Lord, and I'm going to invite them, I'm going to witness to them, I'm going to pray for them, I'm going to work until I see them saved. I'm going to reach out to the lost sheep, those who have walked away and turned their back on God, and I'm going to do the same for them and witness and invite them and pray for them and work until I see them restored. How many made resolutions like that? Few, if any. No, our thoughts are mostly about us. I want to be better. I want to get more money. I want to get this. Again, those things aren't necessarily bad. It's not bad, but if the focus is on that to the neglect of God, there's a problem. That's not the best way to start the new year, is it? And I think in this time of new beginnings, why not take the time to get the most important thing right first? And so I hope to give uh, three simple principles to think about as we start this new year and three things that will help us as well as we progress and, and lay out the vision that God has laid on my heart for Faith Baptist. We'll find that here in our text. Let's give a quick background for the text. It says they, verse 41, and it mentions it, several times in the following verses, that they is talking about the early church, the church at Jerusalem. And this setting, specifically verse 41, is the day of Pentecost. You've probably heard that before, seen that term. We, we refer to it a lot. The day of Pentecost and the days following is, is where this takes place. Now, the day of Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit came in power on the church. That's when she was empowered by the presence of the Holy Spirit. She had already existed before this point. This is not the birthday of the church. This is the empowering of the church. By this time, the church is already some three and a half years old when Jesus called her out on the seashore. When He told those disciples, come, follow me, He created a called out assembly, an ecclesia, a church, what the word means. So she had already been in existence for some three and a half years. And it says in verse 41, they were added to something. They were added to the already existence of the church. And I believe at this time she had already had the authority of the Holy Spirit. You see, in Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus gives the Great Commission, He says, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. He is sending us forth in His authority. And at that same time period, John records this in chapter 20 and verse 22, He breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, giving them the authority to carry out the commission. Fifty days later, at the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes in power. He gives them this dynamite, explosive power to fulfill the commission and the promise that God had given. And as we read, we can see it's quite evident He has an effect. There is something powerful going on in the lives of these people. And let me give just one quick word. There were some very peculiar and extraordinary signs given during this time. Very extraordinary things. Things like healings or prophecy, or speaking in tongues, which means languages. If I was to speak in tongues right now, it would be, I would be speaking in perfect Russian from the northeastern corner of the country in perfect dialect and slang. If there was somebody here that didn't understand English and only knew that kind of Russian, you understand what I'm saying? It was languages that were understandable, already existence, in existence, that people could hear and understand the Word of God. It's never babble or nonsense. Wonderful signs. The apostles even, it says in the beginning of the chapter 2, they stood up and people from other parts of the country, other languages, heard the Gospel spoken in their language as the Holy Spirit gave that gift. Wonderful things. Wonderful signs. They were given temporarily as a proof of who these people were. Nobody else is doing these things. These must be the people of God. They must have the power of God because they are doing extraordinary things. Signs that were given temporarily until the completion of Scripture. You see, this is more than enough. This 
along with the Holy Spirit, is stronger and more effective than any sign. I could stand up here and speak in perfect Chinese. And I'm sure it would be impressive. But if I did that week after week, either you'd have to learn Chinese or you're not getting anything out of the message or I'd have to have an interpreter, right? Though it might be impressive if I could give a sermon delivered in, in some other language... Far more effective is when I read scriptures like this. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood. Verses like that change your eternity. We have something far more powerful than any sign. It is the completed Word of God and the Holy Spirit that accompanies His his Word. So there were some great things going on during this time, but they were for a temporary space of time until the Word was completed. Now, in saying that, I think all of us read this description here in Acts chapter 2 of the early church life and... We would love to experience this, right? This would be awesome. <laughs> the unity, the love, the koinonia, the fellowship is, is what the Greek word is, the, the oneness of heart and oneness of mind. Glory is given to God. Glory is seen through this church and people's lives are being changed. That's awesome. I would love to experience that. But let's be honest, we read this and we say, yeah, man, that's really cool. But that'll never happen now. Thousands saved. Thousands added. Thousands in unity and on fire. This church turning the city upside down. Yeah, that would be great, but that was then. And it's just not going to happen now, right? I think we all have that in our minds when we read this, whether we admit it or not. To which I say, really? I mean, really? Is that really the case? How? How is that the case? Why is that the case? Was this a different Holy Spirit? Like He was more powerful back then than He is now? No, God Himself says, I am the Lord, I change not. The Holy Spirit hasn't changed. He hasn't diminished in any way in His power. The same Spirit that dwells with them still dwells with us. And this here, these people are His church. And you understand that we at Faith Baptist and other churches of like faith and practice, we hold to the exact same beliefs, the exact same doctrines that they taught. We haven't changed when so many of the world has. We stand firm on the same beliefs, the same foundation. We can't blame it on society. We think we're living in bad times. They're getting darker. But it's not compared to some other times in Scripture, even here. They live under Rome. Listen, you think we've got some corruption in government? Nancy Pelosi holds nothing on Caesar. Nothing. Not even Donald Trump. (laughs) They don't even hold a candle to the wickedness that was in the the courts and the governments of this day. Not to mention the the vice rulers, Herod and Pontius Pilate and the corruption that was in the government then. It was just as bad then as it is now, if not worse. And... People, well, we say sometimes people have changed and gotten worse. People are people. It doesn't matter if it's in Genesis or if it's it's today. People are still people with sinful natures. So what's the difference? What's the difference between what happens right here with the same Holy Spirit and the same church and maybe even a worse climate and today? What's the difference? Well, maybe it's me. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's us and our hearts. 
Think about it. God does amazing things through His local church. He always has. And each local body, including this one here at Jerusalem, is made up of individuals. Individuals who contribute to the whole. You understand? You make up the whole here. Your relationship with God, just as mine, your relationship with God and the health of it directly impacts this church. Do we ever stop to think about that? Do we even care? I guess that's a better question. Do we even care? Or is this like a social club? Like something we do on Sunday and then we get to the really important stuff during the week. If we got time, I'll be there, but you know, we'll see. In Bible reading and all that stuff, yeah, well, I'm busy. Do we even care about our personal relationship, our personal walk with God? That does not consist of your time here. It consists what you do every day in your own home, in your own life. The health of that directly impacts the health of the church. And so many think it is only the pastor's job or the deacon's job or the teacher's job. We really need to worry about our relationship. Well, yeah, we do, but that's not the only ones who need to worry about our own personal relationship in the, in the church. Each and every one of us have a calling. Each and every one of us have a responsibility with God. Each and every one of us matter when it comes to the health of the church. And what I see here in Acts chapter 2 is hearts that are fully given to God. Lives that are consumed and led by Him. A church made up of members who are right with God and because of that are greatly used by God. The only thing that stands between us having this kind of an impact is us. It is not God who is less powerful. It is not the society. It's always been bad. It's us. And maybe our hearts, the condition of our relationship with God. And so what I'm saying this morning is how about we start 2020 by getting our lives in the right place, and then watch what God will do through this local body. So what I want to do is pull from this example here and take away three areas that we can resolve or focus on in this coming year. The first thing I'd like you to notice, or maybe put that a different way, maybe resolve in your own hearts is to seek the power of His Word. To seek the power of His Word. Look in verse 41 and 42. Then they that gladly received His Word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Let's just stop right there. The first thing you need to know in, in anything when it comes to Scripture is that we are in need of a Savior. The Word tells us we are lost we are in a fallen condition, separated from God because of our sins, and we need somebody to forgive our sins, to save us from our sins. And that is exactly why Christ came to the cross. He gave His life as the, the sacrifice for sin, the payment for sin. He alone can forgive our sin and save us from eternal judgment, from eternal damnation. The Word tells us that. And either you accept that or you reject it. It says here, they received His Word. It's something that Peter says up in verse 38. Peter said unto them, repent. Repent. Turn away from your sin and turn to Christ, who is the Savior, and place your faith in Him. That's the first thing you need to know. Before you make any resolutions, before you try to read a lick of Scripture, you need to know that you need to be saved. The Word tells us that. And it also tells us what happens. And they that gladly received His Word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. This is the biblical pattern that when somebody trusts in Christ as Savior and they receive that new life, they now commit their life to Him by being baptized and joining His local church to serve and worship and help and proclaim the message. That's the biblical pattern. 
You know, there's a lot of people today who have left that. But this is one of the verses that puts it clear. They received His Word. That's talking about salvation. They were baptized, committing their life to Him. The same day were added. Saved, baptized, added. That's what God wants for us. And then to live that out in our life. Look in verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Well, what is that? You ever read that phrase and wonder what it was? If you want to know what the apostles' doctrine is, read the New Testament because they wrote it down for you. It's what it is. The teachings not only of Christ, but the teachings of the apostles that is recorded for us in the New Testament. In layman's terms, what I'm getting at is read your Bible. They continued steadfastly in the Word, and we need to continue steadfastly in the Word. I have a question for you this morning. Are you a man of the Word? Are you a woman of the Word? Is that what is in your heart? Do people hear that when you speak? When hard times come, is that what comes to your mind first? Is it in you and guiding and leading? Is it a lamp to your feet and a light to your path? Are you a man or a woman of the Word? Or are there other things that consume your heart? Are you a money man? Are you a job man or woman? Are you a bitter woman? A bitter man? A judgmental? A condemning? A jealous? Get the point? Or are we a man or a woman of the Word? Because the Word is in us. It's doing its work in us because we've taken the time to to pour it into our hearts and let it affect us. When hard times come, do we go crazy because we don't know what to do? If you were able... Well, let let me put it this way. I don't have a problem walking around in the dark in my house. I did for the first couple of weeks. We moved into to the new place and kind of getting used to the layout. There's a wall there where there didn't used to be a wall. And the other place where we lived or the door opens a different way. Now I'm used to it. Because in the light, I've seen it. I know what to expect. When the lights go off, I can... Walk around unless the kids leave Legos out or Hot Wheels or a doll out. I I can navigate the darkness. Do you understand that when you allow the light of the Word to be poured into your life and to illuminate uh, life's paths for you, when it gets dark, you'll know where to go? Because you have the Word in your heart giving you that light? It's Bible reading. This This is what we're talking about. Bible reading. Consistent Daily reading of the Bible. Daily meditation in the Bible. A steady diet of God's Word. Do you have that in your life? This by far is the number one thing that we do not do. God has a book written to His people and the number one thing His people does not do is read that book. I heard of a pastor who was over at one of the members' house for dinner. It was a wonderful family, and the wife pulled out all the, the stops, made this great dinner, had fine china, and her grandma's silverware. Polished up real nice and said, you know, this was given to me as an inheritance by my grandmother. And she also gave me her Bible. We just love that Bible. It's got, it's got so many things written in it and all of her notes and highlights. It's just a really family treasure, and we love it so much. Well, the dinner went on, and ended and pastor said his goodbyes and as she's cleaning up she noticed something was missing a spoon was missing she thought she had misplaced it and kind of put it in the back of her mind but over the next couple of days she looked and looked and looked and couldn't find it and she came to the conclusion in her own mind the pastor must have stolen the spoon how could he i mean how would he that's my grandmother's spoon But she wouldn't say anything. How could she accuse a pastor of doing something like that? So she kept quiet about it, but it was still back there in her mind bothering her. Well, several months later, the pastor came back over for dinner, and same thing, everything was pulled out. She made sure to put out the the nice silverware. Maybe it would cause him to repent or click in his mind that maybe he had taken that. And 
He said nothing. And conversation was fine and comes to the end of dinner and he gets up and is ready to leave and she couldn't stand it anymore. She said, Pastor, I've got to ask you something. Why did you take the spoon? You know, that was my grandmother. Why did you take the spoon? Can you give it just back? Just give it back, please. The pastor said, well, dear, dear sweet sister, I would never take something like that. I know how much you love it. He said, but I put it in your grandmother's Bible. You say you love it so much, maybe you ought to open it. How many times has a... How many days? How many weeks? How many months has it been since your Bible sat closed outside of this property? How long has it been since we read? How long has it been since we spent time with Him in His Word? I don't get why we don't. I really don't get it. And I'm talking to me first. But that is the first thing to go. And that's the last thing we want to do sometimes. I don't get it. We will literally stare at anything else for hours but the Bible. Let's watch a movie. Man, that couch is full in seconds. Let's play a game. Full in seconds. Let's read the Bible. Nobody comes to the table. Oh, man, it's that time. I got it. I got to do it. We'll be quick to whip out a phone. We have in our hands the very Word of God. Everything that we need to know through it, God speaks to us. In written form, in understandable way, you can know what God wants you to know. And the Bible says of itself that it is alive. Hebrews 4 says this, For the Word of God is quick or living and powerful. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but when you've sat down just to read, there are verses that can hit you and rock your very being to the core. How did it know that's what I needed right now? How is it that on this day I come to this passage that gives me strength for right now? Because it's alive and it's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of the joints and marrow. And listen, it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It knows what you need. And through the Word, God speaks to our needs. might be to correct us. It might be to strengthen us. It might even be to rebuke us. But it speaks to the thoughts and the intents of our heart. The things that nobody else knows, the Word of God speaks to that and changes that. This book is alive. This book is powerful. Yet we ignore it. And we avoid it. Why? Why? The fact that most of God's people today find His Word boring and media in whatever form more appealing, it speaks to the dire condition we are in. I don't want to sound dramatic, but that's getting pretty close to knocking on death's doorstep. No thanks, God. I don't want to say what you had to say. I'm too busy, Lord, to you to speak to me. Oh, we ask for his leading and his guidance. I think that's a thing. I think think whoa. I think I saw a thing on Facebook that's a picture in the The guy says, Lord, speak to me. And then out of the clouds comes a big hand with a Bible. (laughs) We ask for his leading. We ask for his guidance. It's right here. But we don't read it. It's boring. It's too hard. We're too busy. I could go on and on about that. Because we all know in our own hearts, right? If we're honest with ourselves, we know where we fail. Let me do this instead. Look at the attitude that the early church had here. In verse 42, the first part, they continued steadfastly in it. What I want to do is I want to challenge you to do the same. For the next 30 days, 30 days, one month, make a commitment in your own heart to spend time in God's Word daily. 30 days. Start with that. 
And each day you make time, because you have time. Don't sell me that line about I don't got time. You got time. We all got time. Make time to spend time in His Word with Him. To spend daily devotion, time in daily devotion with Him and His Word. Now listen, devotion is different than devotionals. There are so many people who are quick to read or to listen to other people's experience who have met with God. Let me see what they have to say. Listen, reading about other people's experience who have met with God is nothing like having your own experience when you meet with God in His Word. Start with uh, 15 minutes or 30 minutes a day. Maybe get up a little earlier. I know that sounds like torture. Sometimes 15 minutes can seem like an hour in the morning. But let me say, maybe, maybe, just maybe, you're spending time on foolish things the night before that take away from the sleep that you could get to get up early with God. After all, I have to watch my show. Do we? Really? How about we make some time for God in our life and listen to Him through His Word? Follow a plan or start reading one psalm a day or read in the New Testament. Just spend time in His Word. And if you see in the end of verse 42, in prayers. Allow God to communicate to you through the Word and then you communicate back through Him. Some people journal. I, I never could do that. I can write a sermon, but journaling... To me, that, that's just not my thing. Some people journal. They write down how the Word impacted them or they write down what they need to pray. Hey, that's fine. Do that. But whatever it is, allow the, the Word to touch your heart and then pour out your heart back to God. You do that once a day for 30 days. I promise that will transform you. That will transform you. The Word the word's going to do many things. It's not just going to lay a foundation of truth in your heart and your life. It will. It's going to show you this is what God says. This is what God wants. It's going to do that, yes. But it won't just do that. It won't just give you guidance and preparation for what may come. Do you know how many times as I walk through maybe a valley in life, there are verses and passages that I have read before that I go back to because I remember what God said about this and it helps me. Not only is it going to do that, it won't just give you doctrine to hold to, which it does. It gives you this precious truth and what we believe and what we walk in, but it also does something more. And it says this in John chapter 5. Let me turn there real quick. John chapter 5. Jesus is actually speaking to the Pharisees. And He gives them a rebuke. He says this in John 5 and 39. Search the Scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. Let me just say, we can do some Bible study. There, there's, there's a study that I do to prepare for a sermon. To find the points of what may speak to your lives or where God is leading. And I study the words and I study the phrases and I go behind the scenes and try to formulate. But there's something different about just simply reading and letting the Word wash over you. And letting it just plant deep in your heart. Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of Me. Hear what Jesus is saying? The Scriptures, they're talking about Me. And He tells the Pharisees, and you will not come to Me that you might have life. Don't let it be said the same of us. No, instead... We need to know that as we read the Scriptures, whether it be Old Testament, whether it be New Testament, the Bible proclaims to us Jesus. Jesus, our Savior. Jesus, our Lord. Jesus, our King. And all that that entails. How much He loves us. How much He wants to lift us up closer to Him. And how much help He is there to give us. You see, not only will the Scripture lay foundation of truth and give you guidance, but they're kind of... They're going to bring you to Jesus. Do you understand? Each and every day, you have an appointment with Him. No interruptions. Nobody else on His mind. 
Just you and Jesus. Why would you not take advantage of that? You see, we come to that through His Word. Through His Word. So my challenge is to do just that. Start with 30 days and stick to it and watch Him change your heart. Watch your life be transformed. By simply reading the Bible, you betcha. Oh yeah. There is so much power here. So much work that it can do in our lives. And that is why I think so many churches are dull and lifeless. Because God's people don't read His Word. And let's start with that. Let's start the new year off right by committing every day to read His Word. You do it for 30 days. I won't need to challenge you after that. You'll know what it does. That leads to the next thought on starting 2020 right. And thought number two is to seek the power of His presence. Not only should we seek the power of His Word to seek the power of His presence. Now, it's not stated explicitly in the text, but it is implied. Look in verse 41. Uh, um, They that gladly received. They received something that was done in their heart. Verse 43, fear came upon their souls and they see wonders. In verse 44, all that believed. There is a work being done in their hearts and all of that is a result of the Holy Spirit. Is a result of the Holy Spirit and His coming upon the church and His filling of each member. Let me just say this because we could go on and on about this too. Let me state it simply. It is my fear that for too long, I am afraid that for too long we have externalized the work of the Holy Spirit. Like it's the force. Maybe I'll tap into it. And those that really do, they're like Jedi's. Wow, they're powerful. Must be only pastors. Listen, I can't move anything. <laughs> it's no force. What are you talking about? But sometimes that's what, that's what we equate it to. Or like it's something we plug into if and when we decide we can make it to church. Well, now I'm connected to the Holy Spirit. That way of thinking is not personal and therefore it's not powerful. You understand what I'm saying? I believe that as a member of His local New Testament church, the very house of God, His dwelling place, I believe that as a member of His local New Testament church, you have what the Scripture calls an unction, an anointing. The presence of the Holy Spirit within you. Leading, guiding, filling. You can listen to some verses from John or you can turn over there and see them for yourself. In John chapter 14, Jesus is speaking to His church. He says this in John 14 and 16, I will pray the Father and He shall give you another Comforter that He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him. But ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I will come to you through the Spirit. And He will dwell in you. You see, we still have the presence of Christ with us through the Holy Spirit. This comforter that He promised, that He gave in authority before He left, and that He gave in power on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is here. Jesus also says this, If any man love me, He will keep my words and my Father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's which hath sent me. These things I have spoken unto you, being present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Abide in me. And I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. 
Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? This is a personal relationship. A privilege that we as part of His people have. His presence with us. His leading, His guiding, His filling within us. His words abiding in us and the Spirit moving and working through that. Listen, when's the last time you felt that? When is the last time you prayed for that? Lord, fill me. Lord, lead me. Awaken me to Your presence with me. It's clear from the promises of Jesus we are not alone. No, He is with you. You understand, this was never meant to be some lifeless thing. Some dry and ritualistic walk through life. No, it's, it's meant to be vibrant and alive and powerful and moving. Because God is with us. God is among us. He goes with us and works in us. We need to wake up to that. <clears throat> Maybe today you need to pull your head out of the quicksand of distraction. And free yourself from it. And be awakened to the presence of God with you. You know, there are things that can quench the Spirit. There are things that can grieve the Spirit, not only within the church, but in our own lives. Bad attitudes and cold hearts and stubborn minds. And maybe we haven't felt His presence in a while because we've been pushing Him away. And maybe it's time we repent. Gets those things out of our hearts, pray for a clean heart, and start 2020 with God. And then take this year by storm. <laughs> Listen, how, how different would it be? How different would it be if you knew some things? If you knew for a 100% fact, you were absolutely sure, dead sure, that when you went to witness somebody, God was there too. Giving you the words, working in their heart through His Word, how much bolder would that make you? That you knew you went in the exact same power we read in Acts chapter 2. You went through that exact same power in every situation of life. Would it make a difference? Oh, yeah, it would. Well, listen, that's the fact. The Holy Spirit hasn't changed. His church hasn't changed. His promises haven't changed. It's us. Maybe we need to awaken to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That we go in His authority as part of His people. That we go with His power and His presence. Maybe you need to seek that this year. Pray for an awareness of that and that anything that stands in the way will be removed. (laughs) Oh, beloved, we must be people of the Word filled with the Spirit. So the question is, am I? Are you? That leads us to our last thought and we'll close with this in Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 44. And all that believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. This church is steadfast in the Word. It's walking in the power of the Spirit and their lives show it, doesn't it? The third thing I'd like you to to maybe resolve is to seek the power of a changed life. Not only to seek the power of His Word, to seek the power of His presence, but to seek the power of a changed life. These people's lives were changed by God and His Word and they lived it out. It was evident, radically evident. Listen, even today we read this and say, that's crazy. Well, didn't say they sold all things. They said they sold possessions to distribute to the need of people. We look at that and say, that's crazy. I have three cars. I don't need three cars. I'm going to sell two of them and give them to fellow brethren. 
Or I have three properties, I'm going to sell one of them, or whatever it is. That's the idea that's going on. There's other people in need. Hey, I'll get rid of that. And here you go, brother. Today we say that's crazy. It's not crazy. It's crystal clear clarity, actually, is what it is. God had got a hold of their lives. God had got a hold of their minds, and it was showing in their life. God showed up, and everything changed. And you see now love and compassion and unity and worship, and it has an impact. It has a witness to those around about it. It says not only are they praising God, but they're having favor with all people. People are seeing this lived out in front of them, and what happens? People are saved and added to the body. And maybe, just maybe, we need to turn up the shine on our light a little bit. Maybe we need to stop blending in and trying not to make waves and start jumping up and down in the puddles. Let's rock some people's world with the love of God. What are they going to do? They're either going to say no or they'll be saved. You understand? Which is what they need the most. Maybe we need to go into this climate of hatred with the love of God. With the truth of God and live and act and speak in a way that catches people's attention so they might see God in us. You know what might happen? God just might prick their hearts with the Holy Spirit as He goes with us in power. God just might change their life, their hearts through the word that we are going with and living in. And they might turn from their sins, repent and become His. But if we never say a thing, if we look just like everybody else, how's that going to happen? You know what would have been one of the saddest things to read in Acts chapter 2? They repented and were baptized and the same day was added 3,000 souls and they went home and went back to their jobs and were quiet. They didn't make waves. No, no. God got a hold of them. And they lived a changed life, didn't they? If you are steadfast in the Word, if you are awake to His Spirit, this is what's going to happen. How's your witness? How's mine? Understand, I ask these questions of me. How's our witness? Do people know? There's no doubt what's going on here in Acts chapter 2. Do people know about us? Or are we scared of losing some things? Scared of some rebuke? Holding too tightly to a treasure that maybe we need to let go? How's our witness? We can either turn up the shine or we can stay numb and dull. You don't have to care about any of this. You can say, oh, that's a good message. I hope somebody heard it. And go home and go back about our lives. Put the blinders on, stick our head in the sand, and wait for heaven. For far too long, there's been a pattern of isolation and even arrogance within churches. I want no part of that. Zero part of that. In fact, we all said from the start, we want to be different. Do we still feel that way this morning? Then let's get back to it. I want San Dimas to know that here on the corner of 2nd Avenue and San Dimas Avenue, there is a people who have been radically changed by God. There is a group of people who are men and women of the Word, who are walking in the presence of God, and they are not afraid to show it, they are not afraid to tell it, and I want them to want what we have. But that's got to start here. I don't see any grumpy grumblers in this chapter or moron mumblers, however you want to put it. I wonder if this would take place today. Do what? Sell? Can't believe we're doing this. What are they thinking? We never did this before. When we go to step outside of the box and if the Spirit is in it, let's go together. Let's do it together and just see what God can do. How about we start this year with faith 
that we will take this year by storm for the Lord. That people will see, people will hear, and people will be saved. Pray for that. Not only in this community, I'm talking about your family, your friends. And I mean really pray, Lord, let them see the gospel. Let it change their life. And then put feet to those prayers and live it powerfully. In the end, all of this is up to you. I mean, it may sound pretty harsh, but either you care or you don't. I can't make you care. You have to want this in your own heart. It's between you and God. And maybe you've been stuck in a rut for a long time, and maybe you feel cold and dead, or maybe you feel angry and bitter. Anything but anchored in the Word and alive to the Spirit and on fire for Him. Maybe you haven't felt that for a while. Well, maybe it's time to start seeking those things now and turn back to Him. We all want what we read here. We all want to be a church on fire like this. Well, that starts with you and that starts with me. So how about we start this year off right? Would you make that commitment today? To seek the power of His Word? 30 days each day. Spend time in the Word of God, letting Him speak to you. Would you commit to seeking the power of His presence? Awake to the presence of the Holy Spirit with you and anything that might grieve or quench Him that you're getting out of the way, whether it's attitudes or things or whatever? Would you seek the power of a changed life that people would see Him in me? How about we all make that our focus and we all commit in our own lives to start the year off that way and then you watch what God will do above and beyond abundantly what we could even ask or think. God hasn't changed. God still wants to work through His local church. But that's got to start right here, right now. Let's bow our heads. Father, I pray the words have been helpful. I pray that You would help us each in our own hearts to commit to serving You more in this year, Lord. That You would light within our hearts by Your Spirit a fire to to seek You more, to be aware of You more, and to live for You more, Lord. I pray for each one here and the needs that may, may be present, Lord, whether salvation or repentance or strength. I pray for my own heart that You would Just draw me closer to you and help me to to be more of a witness. Do a work in this church, Lord. The same that you did in the book of Acts. We know that you are the same. We know that you are not any less powerful. Help us in our relationships with you so that you could do a work through us, Lord. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. Stand if you would.